Amen, amen, amen. How many of you glad that power belongs only to God? Power and salvation uh, and strength uh, belong to the living, the living, 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 living God. There's only one living God. And so I'm excited that he chose to draft us on his team. How many of you know he drafted you on his team? Amen, amen, amen. And he volunteered to lead a team such as us. Wow. I don't, not too many people would pick some of us. If truth be told, uh, we don't get picked. But what's beautiful about being in a relationship with God through Christ is he picks the worst of the worst uh, to be his. Somebody should have been shouting on that part. Um, um, you know, the problem with us many times is we have an overestimation of our value without him. And, um, but, but we have phenomenal value in him, and it's because of him. Amen, somebody. Yeah, we want to keep the families uh, lifted up that were impacted by that, uh, that event on Friday. I, I still cannot even, I just don't even wrap my mind around uh, the type of mind that it would take to just open fire on children. And so um, if you um, keep those families lifted up in our prayers. Also, we want to keep in prayer. Um, you see all our college students are pretty much gone. So um, except for a few of them straggling around because they turn some assignments in later this <laughs> next week. Uh, but you see most of our students are gone. So we want to keep them lifted in prayer uh, during this time because, you know, this is basically their service. This is like their takeover. So they're here. And so pray for them during the Christmas holidays. Those traveling, some are traveling today, some are traveling tomorrow. So keep them and their families uh, lifted up in, in our prayers. We really want as many of you to come to our after-service gathering, um, after our second gathering, for us to all get together. It would be a phenomenal time. One of the things as the church grows, we want it to um, functionally get smaller. And so, um, and so as the church, of course, the, the second service is busting at the seams. What we want to do is people kind of don't know each other, kind of going in and out. And some people, back row Christians, they leave, you know, soon as you say amen under benediction, and they pion, they gone. Then you meet them and say, you go to Epiphany. So what we want to do is, <laughs> what we want to do during this time, uh, this time is just for all of us to kind of be together, to hang together, to enjoy one another, to connect with one another, and meet somebody different. That'll be the goal. Don't hang with your usual friends. Uh, find somebody, especially the person that, you know, it's some people that sit alone because they are determined that they're not going to reach out to nobody. And they say, I'm going to see if the church love people and see if they reach out to me. So intentionally look for people in corners, on walls, standing by the water fountain, all that type of stuff. Uh, cause you, so we want to we wanna love on people from the fringes. Amen, somebody. Amen, amen. amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. Uh, this is a standalone sermon today out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, verses 3 through 10. We, we'll be uh, starting our uh, Eve Redeemed series in January. So we just, y'all know, we just finished our manhood series on humanity. And so we're excited about starting the, uh, the, the, the series for the ladies in the spring. Amen. So keep me in prayer. I'm trying to plan out. I'll just give you some pastoral reflection while you're standing and stretching. Uh, just real quick. The plan is, and this is my prayer, and I want you to be praying with me through where God is taking us series-wise. we got the next two years pretty much by God's grace, unless the Holy Spirit takes a detour, which he usually does. But um, next, it's going to be uh, Eve Redeemed. That's going to be the womanhood series. After that, we're going to do a series on worship. 
on worship. On worship. See, that's why we need to do a series on worship. Right there. That's why we need to do a series on worship. Uh, um, Then we're going to do a family series. A series on the family. We're developing into a church of families more and more and more. Uh, Single people getting engaged left and right. I mean, I'm finding out people engaged every day, you know. Uh, and, and then we ha- we're getting more middle, uh, I, I would say, no, nah, um, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I, you know, we're getting some uh, we, um, people in a different bracket of life, amen, that are beginning to come and they have children, they have teenagers, and so we really want to minister to that need and show how Christ shines in that. Then hopefully in 2000, that'll be two, that's next year, that's the whole year, and then next year, hopefully 2014, we'll be in 1 Corinthians the whole year. And so keep us lifted in prayer. Keep the series lifted in prayer. The direction of this ministry. Also, I got to say this. The outreach is a bananas. I just want to let y'all know that. Yesterday, it was incredible to see the school we did the partnership with that you gave your money to to get the dictionaries. That was most of their students from William Kelly that are in this community. And so uh, most of the kids there are, are, are at the, in the basketball league are, are Piffany kids and them mostly. And what was powerful about yesterday is I found out that that school has no sports team. So they're using our basketball league as their sports league. So we want to give God glory for that. And uh, we, got, uh, we got people from all different types of religion. We got Muslim dude coming full Muslim garb in there. And we're going to talk to him about Jesus too eventually. Amen. And so, and so keep all of that lifted in prayer as God is doing a phenomenal work. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through, I'm um, chapter 6 verses 3 through 10. Uh, um, let's, 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 let's read it together. You know, I'll, I'll pull out, but you keep reading. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Keep reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, today, just in a standalone message, I'd like to talk about from the subject, uh, Holy Spirit empowered life. A Holy Spirit empowered life. Let's pray. Father, we honor you and thank you uh, for the Holy Spirit uh, who, when we trust Christ, comes into our life and transforms it from the inside out and changes it. A matter of fact, he shows up and motivates our trusting of Christ because no one can accept Jesus as Lord except by the Spirit of God. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power, for your strength, for your saturation power. And Lord, we pray that we would not just have Holy Spirit experiences. We want those. But we want to have a Holy Spirit fulfilled and filled lifestyle. And so, God, as we dive into this text, um, help us to be reflective on our need for you to saturate every area of our life with your Holy Spirit's challenge and presence 
and edification. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, You know, I was trying to preach on something Christmassy and do some Advent messages, uh, but but you know how the Holy Spirit, he loves to do detours. And so I, 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 we had planned it. I wanted to do some Advent things today, but he, he didn't lead us that direction. Um, but this, this is interesting to talk about a Holy Spirit-empowered life. I mean, to be honest, this text is really a homiletical suicide. In other words, when I say homiletical suicide, nobody would preach on riots and beatings and all of those different types of things because that doesn't make people happy when they leave. But if you understand the context of what Paul is talking about, you will actually have a deep level of excitement. Uh, because this passage is really about, Paul got a chip on his shoulder towards the people of God throughout the book of 2 Corinthians. He got a chip on his shoulder because of all of the labor and all of the work that he was willing to do among them, they shunned his credibility. And so Paul writes an entire letter to talk about his credibility. And he connects his credibility to some of the weirdest things that anybody would connect it to. He doesn't connect his credibility to how he dresses. He doesn't connect his credibility to his human education. He doesn't connect his credibility uh, to his lineage of family. Uh, He doesn't connect his credibility to how much money he has in the bank. He connects his credibility to how broken he is before God. In other words, he began by God's grace. See, when you, you know you're changed when you don't use human measurements to measure your identity. See, when you measure your identity by human measurements, then you will be depressed because you will be frustrated that even though you may attain those things, you will not have a sense of value. You will be empty and you will be left wanting for more and more and more because the flesh is greedy. And the flesh, just as soon as it eats up what you give to it, it is hungry right all over again. And so Paul says, I want to I wanna see my identity. I want to see things from an eternal perspective. So we come into this passage, and he's in this section of the book of 2 Corinthians, and he's begging them to listen to his apostolic authority. And, and if you will, he, he's, he's giving a, 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 a soliloquy, if you will, of what it means to be phenomenally impacted by God through Christ. And not only that, to have a life that not should be merely his own life, but the life of the entire church. And he says, the reason why you don't identify with me as your apostle is because, this is funny, is because you are not walking in your identity in Christ properly. He said, because the things that's happening to me, the stuff that's happened to me, and the stuff that's going to happen to me is shared by those who know the living God. And when they, because eternal real recognizes eternal real, I'm going to help you to understand eternal real so that you can stop being unredemptive real and become eternally real. So he comes here and he comes to this passage and he begins in this section laying out this idea of what a Holy Spirit community is about. What is a Holy Spirit community? Holy Spirit community is what describes the church. 
That's who we are. We, we, don't, we don't try to, we don't catch the Holy Spirit. He's not a cold. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't, the Holy, you're an embodiment of the Holy Spirit's presence on earth. That's what the church is. And so Paul comes here and he gives some characteristics of a Holy Spirit empowered life, which brings me to my one and only point. If you're going to live in a Holy Spirit empowered life, you must recognize that a Holy Spirit empowered life is marked by integrity. A Holy Spirit life, that's my only point today. We'll have some sub points, but, 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 but it's marked by integrity. Look, look at the verse. Look at verse three. It's dope right here. It says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way. Stop right there. Now, this is funny for Paul to say, because everything he does seems to put an obstacle in somebody's way. In other words, because he wants to walk authentically out what God wants, he lets the gospel, listen, he lets the gospel offend for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. In other words, Paul says we put no obstacle in anyone's way. Um, And talking about obstacle, it means we don't have any scandal, the Greek word means. It means a stumbling block. It means to have an occasion of creating a false offense against God's people and the God they serve. In, in, in other words, the Christian church must be marked by, uh, b- marked by people not being able to peg the church for not looking like Jesus. If people are going to be hot with us, they need to be hot with us because we're hot for Jesus. In other words, there should, be, there should be a sense in our lives that we want to make sure that we don't put any obstacles in anyone's way. And as a matter of fact, if we make the mistake of bringing an obstacle in front of someone, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, if anyone sins, he has an advocate with the Father. That means that once you make that mistake, you repent, and you repent publicly so that people say that Christians, even though they know they're not perfect, they're being perfected, when you, we see their mess. They don't try to act like they don't have it. They admit it and turn from it. See, when you, you know you got a Holy Spirit empowered life when you admit that you got a mess on your hands. See, if you don't never admit nothing, you, you, the, the Holy Spirit ain't got a hold of you. You got a hold of something else. So he, so, so he says, don't, he says, he says, we put no obstacle. We fight. Our lives is, is a fight to make sure that we meticulously paint the proper picture of Jesus. And this is not just for people in ministry. This is for the entire community of the people of God. That means on your job, you don't need to join in the obstacles, but you don't have to overly holyize your information. Let me, let, me see, let me see if I can make a plan. See, some of us are so holy. You know, when we hear a curse word, you know, we, ah, oh, my goodness, I can't stand it when people curse. I go to church. I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm getting up out, and it's like, yo, man, yo, 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 you know, they may say my fault, but they'll be, they're like, we don't really want to talk to that weirdo, right? But, you know, but, you know, people will notice differences in you without you emphasizing that you're different. See, if you're emphasizing that you're different, you're really not different. You're trying to act like you're different to overcome your temptation of not wanting to be different. But he said, we don't put any obstacle, any, we don't put anything in anyone's way that would make them see Christ improperly. And the Holy Spirit is the one that Paul says empowers this. It's interesting because the gospel that, 
that, that, that, that Paul preached was a very offensive gospel. It was, it was extremely offensive. As a matter of fact, he shut down idolatrous businesses. When he preached the gospel one time, businesses shut down. I, I, I would say that's an obstacle. Um, freed people from human trafficking. He did that. That's in the book of Acts. Y'all didn't know that, did y'all? We'll talk about that another, in another series. He confronted racism, stood in Peter's grill and told him he was a liar, shattered legalism and religion, crushed licentiousness. That means throwing off law and truth, unveiled false intellectualism, preached Jesus as the living God. That's real controversial. Was countercultural connected with culture, and then transcended culture. In other words, the gospel, those are good reasons for the gospel to be offensive. And the Holy Spirit leads a life and strengthens us to lead a life so that the gospel rubs and nudges and hits people in the right places. And so, uh, we, so he's talking about not putting an obstacle in anyone's way. When my, when my youngest son was, was, it was um, uh, real, real, when he was first started walking, we got an ottoman in our living room. And he used, to, he used to like to run around the ottoman. I don't know if y'all know, especially when they had some, a lollipop. They just go, you know what I'm saying? Or they ain't had nothing. They just sleepy. And so they're trying whatever they want to do to not be sleepy. Get ready, pregnant wives. We've got a couple pregnant wives. In. Wait till they start running. They're going to run around, run around, run around, run around, run around. And so what we would do is my, my oldest son would always have something in the floor. And so I would tell him, son, uh, every time you put something in the floor, you know your brother is going to be running there. When you put something in his way, because he's weak in his walk, it will trip him up and cause him to possibly hurt himself. In other words, son, remove the obstacle from in front of your brother so that he can be freed up to do what he does. See, that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to not put obstacles in the runway of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the lives of others, but we remove every obstacle that we can by God's grace and that's in our power. He says, in order that no one will find fault with our ministry. Now, this is interesting. I don't usually do this. I had to do this last Sunday, but I want to break this down. In the Greek, no fault is an aorist passive subjunctive. In other words, as an aorist is a snapshot of a particular time that we don't want people to find fault with our ministry, passive points to the perception of others, and subjunctive points to the aroma of probability without necessarily being considered of any fault yet. So, so, so it points to, listen, I don't want anyone to have any issues at particular points in times with what God wants us to do as a ministry and as a church. One of the greatest fights that we have in planting churches and having it planted in Camden, having had planted a church in downtown uh, Atlanta and having it bringing more guys on to plant is one of the struggles that I have to let the pastors of those churches know as they plant the church. I said, your greatest obstacle in this work is to help your people, the people of God, to recognize that people don't like the church. Because the American church, we've put so many obstacles in the way of people's ability to be free. I mean, the devil probably don't even do nothing no more. I said, the devil, I said, so, I said, so he don't even, I said, but when you begin moving obstacles, spiritual warfare will begin. 
Because the devil likes to make sure that the church isn't viewed properly. Because if the church isn't viewed properly, then God isn't viewed properly. And if God isn't viewed properly, Jesus Christ won't be trusted. And therefore, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving in order that they may not see the gospel. And we don't want to be the obstacle that's used as a blinder in the hands of the devil. That's why... We submit to the Holy Spirit. That's why he's in. He's not some person that shows up when the worship gets high only at the church. He wants to walk with you and walk before you day by day to give you strength. I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. But, the, but, the, but Paul's sense of not finding fault, he was deeply wrapped up in his disposition towards his service to the gospel by the Spirit of the living God. So we must be careful, family of God, of arrogance in our freedoms. That, that's, that's, that, uh-oh. I'm stepping on some toes. Uh-oh. The goal is not to be known for what we have been freed to do, but make known to the world the glory of the one who's freed us. And so that means that some of your Christian liberties must be put in check so that you're not flaunting freedoms that can destroy people getting freed. Oh, let me make it plain. You know, I know, I, 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 somebody told me that, 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 that uh, let, me, let me not say that. Okay. Holy Spirit control. Boom, let me go here. Boom, I'm glad the Holy Spirit, the God told Yeah, amen. All right. So, you know, you know, we have moderate drinkers at the church. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I ain't going to say all my drinkers, put your hands up. We have people, you know, have a little wine, have a little beer, connoisseur, ologies all over the place, right? But, but, but some of us flaunt our freedom to do that in a way that's about, well, I'm free. So if one more person put, do like this and tell me I'm free, now, I, I, you know, I'm going to scream loud right in the middle of the time that that happens. Because you don't, li- listen, you, for freedom, Christ, you set, set you free. And so when your freedom puts somebody else in bondage, it's no longer freedom. So you have to be careful. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic. We can't, I'm not saying that. I'm saying we have to be extremely careful when and how we pull out a big old bottle of vodka. I wish I had some help right now. See, y'all ain't going to help the pastor this morning. I help myself. Amen, Pastor E. Bringing kegs into the Christmas party. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? <laughs> you know, it's a dog. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if you think I'm dumb enough, see, most pastors don't admit that people drink. Most people in the church drink. The issue is you got to teach them how to either abstain or how to do it in the biblical way. And so you got to not, listen, listen, some of y'all looking at me funny. Oh, the pastor should be talking about, what did the text say, though? The text says, I live in such a way that I put no obstacle in someone's way. If you don't deal with folks' obstacles, it's going to destroy what God wants to do. Obstacles. So, so we got to be careful how we flaunt our liberties. And, and, and some, some, everybody ain't got, everybody got to drink every time y'all have something. Help me, somebody. It ain't got to be beer there every time. It ain't got to be a cigar humidor there every time. Oh, it's getting quiet. See, when you get different ethnicities, you got to talk about the whole council. 
Because people come from different cultures and do different things. Some of y'all sing, oh, listen, yes. It's a lot of folk in here that have different liberties that they proclaim. Well, I don't want you proclaiming liberties. Proclaim Jesus. Be free to do what you do, but make sure it's not putting an obstacle in the way of the God. And guess who helps you with that? The Holy Ghost. That means you don't sear yourself to the conviction of the Spirit. See, the Spirit will be nudging you, but you'll think, oh, that's the devil trying to break my freedom. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of you. Leave me alone. I've been freed by Christ. Listen, who the sun sets free is free indeed, devil. And the conviction just ain't going away, is it? When the conviction doesn't go away, when you use the name of Jesus to rebuke, it's probably the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Somebody going to get that on the way home. <laughs> Listen, we, we, need to, we, need to, we need to be described by what we're known for. Another obstacle I think I'm, I'm challenged by, these are just some practical things before I go further in this, is we shouldn't be known for what we're against. See, many times the church is known for what it doesn't do. And that's what we're, but that's not biblical. That's not a proclamation of the abundant life. The abundant life talks about freedoms that Christ brings. We, listen, we should not be known for what we're against, but we should be known what we're for, more for what we're for. That doesn't mean we don't take stances. If the only thing, I'm going to just say this and I'm going to keep moving because I'm going to make some folk mad. If the only thing the church is known for during elections is abortion and homosexuality, know what that says to the world? Hate. Now, are we, are, we, are, are, are we against homosexuality? Yes. Are we against adultery? Yes. Amen. Anyway, um, this is equal those. Um, but um, in fornication, those are the same thing, um, just a different type of partner. Amen. But anyway, and we're against abortion. But is that the only thing the elections are about? See, but, but know, what the, know what the world looks at us as? They're just hateful people that are against people enjoying life. But being a Christian and being freed by the Spirit means we're supposed to be the most joyous people on the planet. (laughs) That's what people are supposed to get from us. This enjoyment, this joy that cures stuff, that cures diseases, that cures sickness, that cures brokenness, that cures loneliness, that cures pain, that cures hurt that cures stuff. That's my joy. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. It's joy. It's, it's, it's lovely being in Christ. I got to keep moving. But it's beautiful to be in Christ. And so the essence of his communication for the gospel is making disciples and making sure that there's multiplication of people that hear the gospel. And know what I love about being a believer is that God has empowered this. This has become one of my favorite verses besides the other verse that I told you a few weeks ago that's my favorite verse. But this verse has become my favorite verse, Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support. Somebody say strong support. To those whose heart is blameless toward him. God loves to give support to people that'll die to their self. That, that, well, to give God, the, the Holy Spirit 
has given you the ability to give your whole heart to God. That's that, the Holy Jesus helped us fulfill 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 16.9. He fully fulfills that. So now you can give yourself over and not be embarrassed by what you're showing when you give your heart fully over to God. Because Jesus' blood deals with all of the mess that you give your, when you give your whole heart over to God, it's not just that you're giving yourself over to him in submission to him. It's that you're saying, God, everything belongs to you. Deal with it what you may. I got to keep moving. But look at what he says. He says in verse, so he's, he's talking about, that was just one verse, I'm sorry, but verse 4, it says, but as servants of God, stop there. Listen, he said, as servants of God. So we're described, see, the greatest freedom the Holy Spirit gives us is the freedom to be servants of God, right? So that means our marks, our life is marked and described as us being servants. Check it out. So he says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves. Now, I don't know if you remember the word for commend that we talked about a few weeks ago, it means how God vouches for you. But it's used differently in this passage, right? Because he's saying we commend ourselves in every way. Now, when he's talking about commending himself, he's talking about placing his life in front of others who can vouch for the Holy Spirit authenticity of his life. Accountability is what it means. We commend ourselves in every, that means in every way, every single area of my life is not open for debate, it's open for challenge. See, that's what it means to have a Holy Spirit life, is you say, look at my, you need to have a, you don't need to have everybody, because a man of many friends goes to ruin, right? But you need to have a tight formation of a few that you can open your life up to, and, and say, how do you commend my life? Now, you're not asking for their validation, because Christ has already validated you. But you're asking uh, uh, for their development to help you in areas where you have blind spots. That's why Paul says, I could, see you, no, hold on, let me back up. I was about to move on. You do have blind spots. You know that, right? The, the devil is alive. You have blind spots. Now, I know you don't think you do, because I know you're wise in your own estimation, right? But every one of us have blind spots. I have blind spots. As a matter of fact, a pastor friend rebuked me the other day for a blind spot I didn't know I had. Listen, you, my wife rebuked me last night. <laughs> listen, for blind spots. Listen, listen, we commend ourselves in every way. That means Holy Spirit-filled lives open themselves up to say, I, 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 need to, I need you to vouch for my godliness in this area of my life. And that means I want to hear what I do want to hear, and I also want to hear what I don't want to hear. You know, because, because, because it's easy to have a word of encouragement, but it's different to have a word of exhortation. <laughs> and so Paul says, I come, we come in ourselves in every way. We're not too prideful. This is the apostle saying we allow people to vouch for us and hold us accountable. See, the Holy Spirit uses people. He doesn't just... See, some people say, well, the Holy Spirit ain't say that to me yet. Now, let me tell you how I feel about that. See, I'm tired of that statement, too. Well, until God says it to me, I'm like, but hold on, hold on. Let's take Genesis to Revelation. How many times did God not use people in proportion to him just talking to someone directly? Just think about that. God, most of the time uses people 
And listen, your job is to say, well, I, you know, I don't receive that. It's, I don't, listen, I'm sick of that too. Listen, who cares if you receive it or not? It's truth whether you receive it or not. I don't receive that. I ain't, I, I, that, don't, that don't jive with my spirit. Well, what spirit are you of? I'm just saying, y'all. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so my thing is, it's for, see, this is what I'm about. I'm about God helping me to not be as trifling as I know I am. That's my preaching hermeneutic. I assume that we're all a mess. And every week we need a word to help us to get further out of it. Anyway, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that's, that's, a, that's my hermeneutical, homiletical assumption. It, it, that's, I think it's a pretty good one, too. He says, we commend ourselves in every way. And then he begins to, he gives three areas. Hope I can get through these. He gives three areas where, where he says, these are the, these, this is what commends us in our life. The first group of adjectival phrases, are you tracking with me, points to it being marked by consistency in the midst of adversity. In other words, People look at our lives when we're going through stuff to see how we are, and this is what they're supposed to see. Did you hear me? Listen, when you go through something, you need to be a museum for people. People in your life, that tight formation of a few need to be looking in your life to see how you're acting as you're going through. Because everybody shouldn't comfort you all the time when you go through. Now, talk to, now look at this. He says, he says this, is, this, is, this is what the Holy Spirit life is marked by. Marked by uh, consistency in the midst of adversity. Check it out. He says, by great endurance. Wow. He didn't say endurance. This is, the, this is superlative endurance. Great, great endurance is the capacity to hold up or bear up in the face of difficulty with patience, fortitude, steadfast, and perseverance. Steadfastness and perseverance. That, mean, that, means, that, that means that, see, the person that lives a Holy Spirit life recognizes how weak they are and trusts the living God to give them the grace to greatly endure because they've gotten used to the fact that life is going from one trial to another. And so instead of complaining about it, I get used to it and maximize what God wants to do in me while I'm going through it. <laughs> that's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's why you know that I know. Listen, there are times in trial I know I got the Holy Ghost. Because there are some folk I want to cuss up and down Diamond Street. Yeah, I said it. But if it had not been for the goodness of the ghost, I would have put some obstacles in some people's way. <laughs> Listen, man, let me just tell you, by great, we're marked by great. You've been empowered by the gospel to endure well trials. Did you know that? You've been empowered to shut off complaining. Help me, Holy Spirit. You've been empowered to be better. Listen, I'm not, listen, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit for even though hell is breaking loose and bombs are dropping all around you, you can have soul serenity in the midst of fighting against your enemies. Uh, so great endurance, great endurance. He, he, he's not only says great endurance, he says in affliction. <laughs> Afflictions is the funniest word to me in the New Testament. It's the funniest word in the Greek to me. It means, it means uh, trouble that inflicts distress. But, but, but the, 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 the focus is on troubles because it means to be surrounded by crowds. Uh, if I were the lexographer, I would call it getting jumped. 
In other words, afflictions point to a lot of stuff happening to you at the same time. He's saying in the midst of everything going wrong, you can still be okay. <sighs> I'm going to keep moving. He, he, said, he, said, he said, this is how we commend ourselves. We commend ourselves in, in, in great, with great, by great endurance in, this is describing everything. So great endurance overshadows, and the other, other ones describe the where the situation that the great endurance happens in. So great endurance in afflictions when everything's going wrong. So we commend ourselves, say, we ask people, how are we doing going through this? See, most of us want to be comforted, which that's okay in the first week, like Job's friends. But then you need some people that you're getting on their nerves because you're a victim right now. And you have too much of it. All of us got the victimization philosophy. And what we need is somebody to just slap us like that. Just slap it. Look at me. Grab you by the chin and say, now, now, don't you, now where's the Holy Ghost in all of this? Where's the Bible and where's all that endurance? You were shouting and running around the church, but where is it now? And he said, and he said, he said great endurance where? In afflictions, right? Then he goes from afflictions, everything happening at the same time. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. But then he goes from afflictions to hardships. Hardships just mean stress. <laughs> Hardship just means just, I'm just stressed out. That's what it means. It, it just means I'm just stressed. And I don't, it, you know, it's not necessarily that afflictions are going on. It's just my reaction to my responsibility feels like a hardship. I got to keep going. He, said, he says calamities. He says beatings. Uh-oh. I know we ain't gone through that yet. We ain't gone through no beatings yet because of the gospel. But he's talking about where he's caught. Listen, when Paul got a beating, all of them were to encourage each other in the midst of beatings, imprisonments, to be faithful. Can you imagine somebody? You, you, you're supposed to hear me out. I'm venting to you right now. I just got beat. Yeah, for the gospel, right? Yeah. You should be rejoicing. That's how they did each other. They said, I'm not going to. Listen, listen. I I remember, you know, me and my wife got this thing that we do. We'll say that when when one of us start complaining or something, I say, you know, I'm not going to join you, right? They said, what you talking about? Oh, I'm not coming in that house. What you mean? I ain't coming in that party. That's not the type of party I like. I'm not coming in there with you. Come on out. Let's have another party. That means I'm not going to join you in your pity party. Uh, I hate when she does that to me. I, I like it when I do that to her. So I'm the, fa- I'm the husband in this situation, right? But beatings, imprisonments, riots, it means to have unsettled state of affairs. You're okay when your affairs are unsettled. When things aren't as established and rooted as you'd like it to be, when things in your life aren't as stable as you'd like them to be, when you're not in the season of your choice of life, you still say, yes, God, I serve you. He said in the midst of labors, it means to engage in activity that is burdensome. Do you know sometimes, listen, if one more person tells me that God won't put on you more than you can bear, that's not true. When he says in 1 Corinthians he won't put on you more than you can bear, that's temptation that you put yourself into, that he won't allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. That means he'll find a way of escape. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says Paul was burdened beyond his ability to bear it. So God does allow on you more than you can bear. And then the verse after that says, the reason why God puts on you 
and allows on you more than you can bear is so that the great strength of Christ may be seen in you. <laughs> so listen, y'all. He does do that. Listen, but the last one, I, you know, the last one is sleepless nights. This is so practical to me. He said, in the midst of insomnia. Some of y'all can't sleep. Some of, y'all, some of y'all ain't slept in a while, like had a good night's sleep. You're just staring, looking at the center because you're overwhelmed by what you're going through. See, that's what Paul, Paul ain't just talking about sleepless nights. Like I just, he's talking about things that have overweighed him that keeps him up at night. See, see, see a Holy Spirit-empowered life gets in the situations where you're up at night because you need to talk to God about some stuff. You need to talk to him. Sometimes you don't need to take the sleeping pill. Sometimes you need to live the Advil PM up in the cabinet and talk to the Lord. The reason why you up is because you're taking on what you shouldn't. And so God wants you to talk to him. I'm going to keep moving, but I'm just letting you know that this is the Holy Spirit. Now he gets more specific. Then he says, marked by integrity. Next one we saw is uh, what was, was consistency in the midst of adversity. The next one is marked by in, in, integrity. Look, look, at, look, look, look at the next group of things. These are all the things that they commend themselves to. It says, we're also known by our purity. That means sincerity there. Our knowledge. Now, this is not just biblical knowledge. It has to do with the ability to discern during the midst of difficulty. The ability to have some discernment. The ability to use God's word to make good judgments. It's not enough to just say, I know the Bible. Does the Bible help you make good judgments? That means you're mature. Hebrews, 13, Hebrews are, are 5, 13, right? Then he says, with patience, state of, again, bearing up under, having courageous fortitude, which endures adversity without murmuring or losing heart. But then he, then he gets more specific, even more. He says, with kindness. He says, difficulty doesn't stop us from being kind to people. Wow. See, that's the Holy Spirit. See, you know you have the Holy Spirit when you can be nice. I ain't talking about put on a plastic smile and act like nothing's going on, but I'm saying act Christianly in functioning with people even in the midst of the difficulty that you're going through. That's powerful for you to be able to do that. And, <clears throat> and that shows off the fortitude and power of the Spirit. Now he'll specifically mention the Holy Spirit. Now look, he said, and by the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting <laughs> to me is that Paul puts the Holy Spirit <coughs> kind of in a line of things that describe the life that's Holy Spirit empowered. So he puts the Holy Spirit in there, but it's, uh, it almost can feel like he's equating it, but he's not equating. He's letting you know that the Holy Ghost is the way in which all of that other stuff happens. Without the Holy Spirit, you know, many times conservative Christians have such a weak doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit here is to indicate the distinctiveness of the Holy Spirit as the source of Christian graces. He's the source. He is the source of everything that's going to happen good in your life. He's the source of that. Paul is pointing to the Holy Spirit, the one who works and empowers these moral qualities into the life of he and his team to help have an authentically gospel-centered life. You can't talk about being gospel-centered and not talk about the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's, it, you can't. You can't. It, it's impossible. 
And, and some of the things we say that the gospel does is not the gospel, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does it. And see, in our lives, the person of the Holy Spirit, he's not, and listen, the Holy Spirit is not the substandard person of the Trinity that's here to do what we say. Order, I wish I hear somebody else order around the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, come here. I need you to do boom, boom. He's like, what are you doing, dog? I was in a church one time, dude was telling the Holy, working, I mean, telling, I'm like, how you, like you ain't, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. He's the sovereign God. He's not human sidekick. He's not the Robin to our Batman. He's, he, you know, he, I'm going to date myself right now. He's not, uh, he's not Bucky to our Captain America. <laughs> he's not Wonder Twins to our Justice League. Our Aqualad to our Aquaman. I can keep going. He is not our sidekick. Holy Spirit, he, not, he is God. You better get that in your head. He's, that's why you get convicted. That's why he tells you what to do. That's why he gives you peace because he rules and reigns. So he's the Holy Spirit, and he's only attracted to Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the upper room discourse, <clears throat> he said, he, said he, he, will, he will come where I'm being glorified. <laughs> if you glorify Jesus, you can expect Holy Spirit power. <laughs> But in order to glorify Jesus, you need Holy Spirit power. See that? They intertwine and connect it. That's why you need him. I need him. And then he says genuine love. Listen to this. Authentic love for the people who are agents of the difficulty while they cause you problems. <laughs> Did you hear that? Genuine love for people who cause you problems. You n- Listen, let me tell you something. You know you got all kinds of Holy Ghost. I want you to bring up in the mind the person that's caused you the most heartache in your life. And the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to help you love them either up close or from a distance. (laughs) Listen, it's only the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you just let the Holy Spirit just say, I'm just let you loose on what you want to do. You be be all over. You be going for, I want to kill him. You know what I'm saying? But the Holy Spirit, he's so powerful that he'll say, I'm not, he said, I'm going to show you what this gospel life is all about. I am going to let you go through something extremely difficult, be hurt by these people, that person, mother, father, whoever. And then I'm going to put you in a situation where you're not going to feel like loving them. (laughs) But I am going to send specific marching orders for you to love them. That's hard. Listen, I'm telling you, y'all ain't with the pastor today. That's hard. That's, but that's when you know you got the Holy Ghost. You, all the way over there while you're taking baked cookies or whatever you're taking, some Boston Market, you say, I know I got the Spirit of God. I know I'm filled with the Holy Ghost today. I know, I know I'm walking with God right now. I know, I know that I know that I'm changed. <laughs> y'all better help me today. Listen. It's all right to say that because the Bible gives us the ability to boast in one thing, that we know him. So you can boast, I know, I know you, God. You are are the head of my life. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be going over here. You know, I hate me some them. (laughs) But this is you. This This is all you. You get all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Listen, 
Listen, when God makes you love somebody, woo, that's when the Christianity get good and gristly. That's gristle Christianity. My mama used to, when she eat chicken, she, she'd say, you don't know how to eat chicken. So she'd take hours and eat all in it, suck the marrow out, all that. She said, that's how you eat. That's gristle Christianity right there. Marrow, that's getting to the rooter to the tutor. Christianity. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Woo! But last but not least, marked by divine dependence. Now, the last characteristics are marked by divine dependence in a Holy Spirit-empowered life. Um, probably won't get to all of these, but <clears throat> it says, now listen to the comparison. Now, it, he does something powerful. He compares good and bad situations and how Holy Spirit-empowered characteristics shouldn't change in these type of situations. So check it out. He says in verse He says in verse 7, he says, by truthful speech, God help us. He said, and by the power of God with weapons of righteousness for right hand and for the left. That means sometimes, though, God wants you to defend yourself with a shield, but sometimes he wants you to cut somebody. All right? So he says, now he's going to name the situations where this Holy Spirit-empowered life finds all of these characteristics that we saw clustered earlier from verses 4 to this verse. Now these are the situations. Check it out. It says, through honor and dishonor. This is from people. When people don't honor you like you deserve or think you deserve. And through honor. It says, through slander. When people say absolute concoct stories that are absolutely not true about you, you still remain faithful. Because the Holy Spirit can empower you to not fight the battle of the slander of others and let you see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to keep going. He said, and when they praise you, he's showing you the fickle nature of people. He said, they'll honor you sometime, they'll dishonor you sometime, they'll slander you one minute, next minute. Jesus said, I know how that feel. Did y'all know Jesus know how all this feel? He said, we, treated, we are treated as imposters. Yet we know, this, see, this is when you know, this, see, he said, yeah, we, but we know where we are, yet we're true. He says, unknown, we're obscure. We're obscure, he says, yet well-known. Why? Because my value, Paul says, is not in how many people I know, how many people follow me on Twitter or Facebook or social cam. He said, it's not into that. He said, because my being known is based on being known by God. And that's enough i got to keep it moving. He said, as dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, and yet always rejoicing. As poor, as poor, I have nothing. He says, yet making many rich. He says, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. That's a Holy Spirit-empowered life. A life that doesn't let human circumstances dictate your value. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you're worthy to be praised today. God, we, we, Lord, we're thankful that we have an empowerer living in our lives, the Holy Spirit, 
who's the center of the way in which these characteristics get worked in us. Thank you for the ability to be new. And thank you that Jesus Christ's death on the cross makes us new, transforms us from the inside out by repenting and trusting in him by faith. Bless the duration of our gathering in Jesus' name. Amen.